If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> when the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? get done, like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it, so I just go up to him, and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going for Undefendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason for that is the Flatbed is like not happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are, as always, brought to you by Classic Ropes and Equinity Products. If you listen to the Flatbed Podcast, you'll know we don't ask you for a whole lot. But here's what I will ask: if you could rate and review the podcast, it actually makes a significant difference in helping us get in front of the eyes of people who may not have found us yet. Rate and review the podcast. It would help us tremendously. It is a new day at the Flatbed Podcast. Let me tell you what I'm doing to tell you how it affects you. We are going into basically our second season. We're not calling it a season because I don't even know why you would do that. I mean, we're into our second year. That's all that means. We're adding a subscription option. What that means is not you have to pay to listen to every episode, but what we're doing is we're recording bonus content for every episode. With every guest, we're asking stupid questions. We're going completely off script. We're just going according to what we think would be funny. Um, it's just bonus content. And what I what I found is you get a little a little better look into the person that's on the, on the podcast. Instead of being stiff or formal, um, we start off with bonus content. We ask stupid questions. You get the like the live reaction. We've said it's like an ink blot test, right? You just say whatever comes to mind first. I personally have enjoyed it. I've I've loved the bonus content because, like I said, you get to see a different side of whoever's in uh, the studio. Uh, for the month, it's five bucks for the month for the entire month, which comes out to about like a dollar, a little like a dollar twenty-five per episode. So less than a Dr Pepper, you get to listen to all the bonus content. You can click on it and add. Now, here's what this does. By helping fund a little bit of what we're doing, it allows some travel to places that we would like to go. Um, I was watching YouTube last night about the bullfights, and I was like, man, how cool would it be if we could go to Spain someday and talk to the people that run the bullfighting rings, right? Like, go talk to the people that own the horses that are part of that. Like, And I'm only using that as an example. We're not trying to fund a trip to Spain, but... Uh, you know, I would, I would love the option to financially be able to go to the places where things are happening that are interesting outside of maybe just only team roping in Arizona. I know we made a trip to Texas, so... Um, we're adding the subscription site, but the truth is, honestly, even if it was doing nothing but funding my rock star recovery bill every month, um, it, the, the, the content has been fun. It's been a blast. So like I said, $1.25 an episode is what you're, what you're investing. It is super easy. Um, and we haven't had, we haven't had one bonus segment yet that hasn't made everybody laugh. It's been fun. We've enjoyed it. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to release three free bonus episodes this week, give you an idea. Um, we're going to release three of them this week. You can take a look at them, see what you think. But then also after that, it'll be one per episode. We haven't recorded any podcast without also including bonus episodes. So, um, I would encourage you to check it out. It's fun. Um, I, I really do enjoy it. It's something I've actually, it's been a, it's been an addition to the podcast that I've enjoyed. So check it out. The Flatbed Podcast is brought to you by, um, we say companies, we say sponsors, but reality, it's brought to you by other people. In the same way that you're sitting here listening to this podcast, there are other people who are investing into this process financially that are bringing this to you so that you can listen to it for free. I love that there are people running companies that have the same shared values that we have in this industry. So when we talk to you about the people that are bringing you this podcast, please understand we're talking about a company, but really what we're talking about is the people. So part of what I do um, with the podcast is I answer a lot of social media questions or text messages from people asking questions about the products that we stand behind or that stand behind us. Um, I don't know what I can say about equinity that hasn't already been said, um, but one of the questions I get is like, okay, all right, but like for real, but actually, you know, what, what, what's it actually do? And here's, here's my answer. 
It is the thing that you pour into your overall program with what you're feeding, the exercise, the worming, the things that you're already doing. And Equinity is the thing that goes in and fills the cracks using a natural program that the horse is already equipped with. The pituitary gland is sort of like the gauge system or the gauge program within the horse's body that tells it when it needs what it needs. And this goes in and benefits that. Better, better joint health, uh, amino acid in the muscles, things like that. You get a calmer horse that's more willing to go to work. Um, you can check them out at teamequinity.com, teamequinity.com. And like I said, we spend all this time and all this effort on our horse. And Equinity is the thing at an affordable price point, by the way, that you can put through your horse's system that fills in all the cracks and you end up with a better, well-rounded animal to go do what you need to do. So check them out, teamequinity.com. We are with Bo Cooper. Bo, this was actually a podcast. I'm trying to remember exactly how it came about. This was a podcast we tried to do maybe back in March. And then, you know, you were breaking in the calves for Austin. I'm trying to think of everything that was going on. It just didn't work. Like, we, we haven't been in the same spot. And I'm really glad. I'm actually glad it didn't work out because fairy tale stories in real life are so, so, so rare. Like, yeah. for things to actually come around and come full circle within the course of a year is just a very rare thing. Having not done it, you go to Calgary, which, being a Canadian, I'm not, not to put words in your mouth, but let me guess. If you had to pick one rodeo as a Canadian that's on the all-time bucket list, it's got to be Calgary. Yeah. Uh, 100% it's Calgary, yeah. There's, I mean, that's one of the, one of, if not one of the greatest rodeos in the world. Obviously, talk about, a, talk about like a cosmic apology that Houston happens, all the controversy that goes with that, the same year to go up and win Calgary, and it almost, not that it fully heals, I'm not saying that because the money's money, but I don't know that I've ever seen a better example of things working out for somebody that just kept a positive attitude. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, that that whole deal is crazy. I, uh, you know, I looking back, I wouldn't change anything that happened, you know, Um the way that everything's that turned out it's been uh it's been great and and it, it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's made for a real interesting year that um i won't forget for the rest of my life and in the long run really that's you're you're just getting the memories so it's a weird thing and i don't know that i can think of another example of this where somebody gets to demonstrate who they are before they demonstrate what they can do and like what you went through at houston was such a demonstration of the person that you're you the, the standards you hold yourself to yeah without having the big victory to show for it so you get to i mean the world gets to know who you are and then go to calgary and they see what you can do yeah usually it's the opposite usually yeah. like somebody goes to winning and then like down the road you find out what kind of person they are it, it's yeah. weird that that happened in reverse it, it really is now that you say that like uh i didn't really look at it that way but yeah that, it makes a lot of sense you know and uh i guess uh Maybe maybe some of my success come come from the way that um, I'm kind of wired. I I don't I don't know for sure, but was it um, weird? Was it weird to you the overwhelming response that came back? Because you're if I was guessing, you're probably just doing what you would have done. Like that's just who you are. It didn't yeah. feel like you're acting out of character. No. But then all of a sudden, there's so many eyes on it. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised by how many people were like, "Whoa, this is a good dude." Yeah. Um. It, it honestly was like super cool to see. You know how many people were like pulling for me now, and who was and, the biggest surprise of the people you heard from? Like, whoa, what? Uh, I don't know. There was honestly so many people, um, but but like, you know, Fred Whitfield texted me after um, 
Did you know the, him at all? The deal at Houston. I knew him a little bit. Um, just, you know, from obviously from Relpin Cavs, but, um, you know, obviously he's one of the greatest of all time. And so yeah, I watched like him and, and yeah, you know, kind of looked up to him, you know, even though I didn't know him, you know, I just, you got to respect those guys. And, oh, absolutely. And uh, so, he, you know, he texted me and, and he actually come up to me at Pendleton and uh, shook my hand and said, you know, that what happened at Calgary wasn't, wasn't, uh, what did he say? It wasn't because I, uh, you know, it was, uh, I don't really know how to put the words, but let me say, let me, let me guess. You didn't win Calgary just because you got screwed at Houston. You won yeah. Calgary because you won Calgary and yeah. you rope good enough to win that rodeo. Yeah. And obviously we correlate the relationship between the two, but exactly your talent level was the ability to win both of those rodeos in one year. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's what he said too. So that was pretty cool to, yeah. to hear that from a guy like that. And so, yeah. Um, and then like, you know, obviously being from Canada, I got, it feels like I got a whole country that's, you know, pulling for me and whatnot, but I've made so many friends down here in the U S now that it's like so cool to see that, you know, they, they all like me enough that, that they're pulling for me and, and want me to do good. And everybody um, wants to be John Wayne and like, I don't care. I'm just doing my thing and I don't care what people say or think. And like, I know that's something that people want to say, but in reality, everybody likes to be liked. Yeah. Like to have people that like you that you don't know, like you're doing a good job managing your personality well enough that when people hear your story, they like you and like that it's working and like, yeah, it's a feel good thing. I, yeah. I would way rather have that, you know, than be the like, villain. you know, like my cousin Zeke, he's won three world titles and, and yet he's still like one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Like yeah. he, you just can go bullshit him and he'll do anything for you and and just like a a great guy to be around the success didn't get into him no and um so that's kind of i've always you know i've always looked up to zeke and so i've always tried to be you know a good guy and and be like that and whether or not i win three world titles or not i hope by the end of the rodeo career everybody can be like you know what that that bow guy like that was a sweet dude like i i love being around that guy and and hanging out with them and, and, you know, or could call them up and be like, hey, I need something. And, and you know, I'd probably help them out or try my best to, to help them out. And I know this um, is hard. You're 22. And scientifically speaking, your prefrontal cortex isn't finished developing until you're 25. <laughs> what that means is you are still, at, I mean, you're not a child. That is not what I'm saying. But you are still developing into who you're going to become right now. Right. So it would be a, a giant hurdle to try to see the value that you're investing in now yet. However, longest question ever. By doing that, you're setting a standard for people that come up behind you. The older you get, the more you'll appreciate this. The more that everyone appreciates this is that the legacy that they leave behind that stays even when they're gone, mm-hmm. that being a good guy, being a stand-up guy, shaking hands. I'll tell you this about Fred Whitfield. He was a polarizing personality. There were people that liked him. There were people that didn't like him. Mm-hmm. But that guy held himself to his standard. Yeah. Handshake deal. If you said you were going to do something, do it. Yeah. And say what you want to say about Fred, like him or dislike him. That was a standard that kids got to observe growing up of like, don't say you're going to do something, do something different. Exactly. That is still present even though he's gone on to other things. Yeah. So for you to be already building that into your, I don't say brand, but like your life, has the chance to be a bigger impact than anything that you win anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, like that, like 
he'll shake your hand and you know you tell him your name he'll see it two years from now and remember he met you somewhere and i'm so jealous of that i wish i was that. yeah i mean i i'm not super great with names uh i'm gonna blame that on my dad but um (laughs) let's just assume it was his fault (laughs) yeah he's the same way we have neighbor we had two neighbor boys growing up and he called them the wrong name back and forth their whole (laughs) life they were just thing one and thing two your whole life (laughs) yeah but so i'm gonna say i got that from him but uh yeah like just stuff like that like yeah being able to to remember people and and have a conversation with people and yeah and is it weird because it's all been relatively new is it weird to be having a conversation sitting here in december about the legacy or the impact that you're having on professional rodeo <laughs> it really is and you know i've only rodeoed for three years you know it's kind of crazy but um i just that's i guess that's going back to like the houston deal like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't change anything that's happened this year like so I want to get to your I want to get to the rest of your life here in a second, but before we jump off the Houston thing, because to me that was like your introduction. Yeah, you were a guy. You uh, yeah, I was. I you was were just the, a guy. I when I showed up, it's funny. Like you know, three three or four years ago. Um, well, I guess we could go to the to the rookie deal. So I won the rookie in 2021, and we got to come to Vegas. That was the first time I've been to Vegas, and. Uh, so I got to walk out there on the arena floor, get my buckle, and uh, I told my cousin Zeke he was riding, and uh, I said, "Man, I'd like to rope a calf on, on the sand. It feels pretty good one day." And uh, so we were getting our buckle at the South Point, and Joe Beaver, um, you know, he's doing the speeches and all that. And uh, I remember I walked up up there to get my buckle, and he he said. Uh, he said, "You're, you know, we uh, we didn't really know much about you." He said, "You just showed up and you're riding a paint horse and you're some some kid from Canada, but here you are winning the rookie." And uh, so that's you're kinda, like, I can't tell if that's a compliment yeah, or insult, yeah. Joe. Like that's just a thing. I don't know how to take that. Exactly, but that's how it's kind of felt, you know. Like I never grew up in Texas. I never grew up around, you know, all the junior opens and whatnot. And you know, people get to know your name and they're like oh you know that kid ropes good you know i just kind of showed up out of nowhere and not really many people knew me and and then i got to hanging around texas more and got to make a lot of friends when you got to texas like you drive in truck and trailer horses you're pulling into texas for the first time where did you land like what was the plan when you got there uh obviously didn't just drive down there and look around like you had a plan going so then this is the this is kind of where the whole story started was um I landed at Shane Hanchy's house, and so 2018 he came to Alberta and did a roping school. And uh, how old were you in 2018? I would have been 17, okay. I guess. Well, when when the roping school went on, I would have been 16 because okay. I, uh, I guess my birthday's in the fall, so yeah, I would have been 16, turned 17, and uh, so I went there, did the school, and uh, I guess this could kind of go back to the person that I try to be and and who I am um I didn't I wasn't I roped good when I was that old but I uh I kind of knew like I was in the presence of a guy that I really looked up to and like I was trying to make a good impression and so the who whole at 16 doesn't do that that's that is such a 16 year old thing to be like wait this is contact with something that's very real and to feel drawn to it yes that's a human response yeah and so that's I, I knew that was like, this doesn't happen. Like, you know, 
Oh, we got a world yeah, this champion. This isn't gonna happen next Tuesday. He, yeah, I got a world champion. You know that I'm in the presence of, and he's taking time out of his summer to, you know, kind of put put effort into trying to help kids get better. Right. So, the whole time I was at their open school, I was just trying to make a good impression on him that, you know, like, I would bring the calves up. I would be the last one to rope. Like I would work the shoot, bring right. calves up, untie whatever he needed, you know, help with. And, uh, you know, so then I actually, we got to be pretty good buds after that. He made the CFR that year. He come up there, he uh, texted me and wanted to go for lunch. So I went for lunch with him. And What does that feel like as a kid? Uh, that that was, guy that texts was, you to go to lunch. He, yeah, he DM'd me You're on like, Instagram. Is someone pranking me? Yeah, he DM'd me on Instagram. And uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. And then, uh, so the next year, what was it? Well, real quick, hang on. What was lunch like? Do you uh, remember? L- lunch was hilarious. A guy by the name of Cody McCartney was up there. Uh, he made the CFR, too. I wish he was here to hear this story, but I don't know if I should tell it, honestly. But risk it. <laughs> Just <laughs> risk, risk it. it. It's fine. <laughs> We're all friends. Yeah. So I went for him. I went for lunch with him and, and Shane uh, to Mr. Mike's in Red Deer. And uh, it was Halloween, and so there, there was... Uh, a waitress in there that was dressed up for Halloween, and I remember Cody was just uh, hitting on her the whole time, trying to get her to <laughs> come come to the rodeo that night. And uh, that's just a universal rodeo thing. I yeah, think. Cody, he's one of the funniest guys I've met. I like that guy, and, and we've got to be good friends too. But, but as a 16 year old kid, that's a surreal experience. Yeah, like, why I mean, as a kid? For those of you guys who don't know about Bale's hay, let me just tell you, it has changed the way that I feed alfalfa. I feed so much less hay. Um, part of that's with my partnership with Unbeatable, which, by the way, check them out also. But I feed less of it because it's so dense. It's such high-quality stuff. It flakes off in, like, little bitty flakes. It's, I, I've joked every single commercial. It feels like something you would eat yourself. It just has that deep, rich smell. It's very leafy. Great, great quality stuff. But they also have a storefront there in Buckeye. Um, you can check it out. It's down there on, uh, I, on Highway 85 uh, in Buckeye. They're now an ADM Mormons feed dealer, which means not only can you go get the best hay in Arizona, you can also get all types of feed for and hay for all kinds of animals. Uh, the Mormons, you can check it out, the Mormons feed, all the things that they bring. So not only is it the best hay, not only can they deliver, not only is the best quality hay I've ever fed, you can also go check them out at their storefront in Buckeye and pick up Mormons feed, kind of a one-stop shop thing. Check them out, baleshay.com. The update that has cost me almost the sanity of my brain almost the function of my phone and has taken so much time away from my day. That sounds negative, but it isn't. Everybody wants to know, how's the Pro Series lights? I got them in. Andy, on his way back from Vegas, stopped and installed them up here at the arena. You guys, these Pro Series lights from Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. Holy cow. They live up to the hype. We wrote the other night until about uh, maybe about 1 o'clock. And we get done and we realize I was talking to my buddies because we still have some of the 1,000 watts uh, supplementing the few that they brought out. And we get done and I go, hey, we never turn the 1,000-watt lights up. We rope the entire time with our 1,000-watt lights on dim because the Pro Series lights are doing such a good job. Uh, if you've waited, if you've been kind of kicking around, I don't know, solar, maybe, I don't know. I will post pictures also, but the update is this. They are amazing. You will not be disappointed. Check them out. Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. You want to hear the coolest story coming out of Wickenburg this winter? Because I have got it. The 1017 Project, uh, the Flatbed Podcast, Downtown Arena, Rancho Rio, Roper Nation, and the town of Wickenburg are all partnering. You heard me right. 
all of those all of those entities are partnering to put food in the food bank through the team ropings. So what we're doing is we've started the We Heart Wickenburg series this winter. Uh, all the podcast sponsors, I've got boxes from Aquinity, I've got boxes from Cinch, I've got boxes from Equibrand. Uh, Ranch and Solar Lighting has donated a set of arena lights. Unbeatable Feed has an entire truckload of feed that they have donated to the We Heart Wickenburg series. The first one's gonna be November 10th. And what we're going to do is we're going to use the money raised at those events to put hamburger into the food banks here in Wickenburg. Uh, Christy Henson has an entire team of people assembled um, to distribute the, make sure that, listen, listen to this number. They said that 70% of the kids in the Wickenburg school district are on food assistance, which means we have got this tremendous food insecurity uh, situation in the heart of the team roping capital of the world. And so everybody's coming together and partnering to eradicate that. Shout out to the 1017 Project for the work that they're doing helping organize it. The sponsors, the arenas, the producers. Coolest story ever. And you go, how can I get involved? November 10th is the first one. We're going to give out tons of little trinkets and prizes and things like that. It's going to be at Downtown Arena. Shout out Mike and Karen Fuller. Anyway, coolest story coming out of Wickenburg. Be a part of it. It's just a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a feel-good thing. And it actually is making a difference. The ropings will still have the regular payout. If you win the rope and you still win the money, the fundraiser is what is uh, what is made that day will go to put hamburger in the food bank. So you don't have to enter the rope and then donate everything you win or anything like that. It's still just a regular team roping. <laughs> come, come to the rodeo that night. and uh, That's just a universal rodeo thing. I yeah, think. Cody, he's one of the funniest guys I've met. I like that guy, and, and we've got to be good friends too. But, but as a 16-year-old kid, that's a surreal experience. Yeah, like, why I mean, as a kid getting invited to go hang out in yeah, those circles? Yeah, go to lunch with a world champ, you know. Were they saying anything along and, the lines of like, hey, honestly, this needs to be something you pursue, like you wrote good enough to do it, or is it just they enjoyed hanging out with you? Yeah, I mean, they they were kind of like, you know, you helped good. And I had a pretty good horse at the time, and uh, so they, they thought I had a good horse. And where the, um, Real quick, because – there are good cowboys in every event from almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about the vortex of Texas, it's not that everyone in Texas is superior to everyone else no. at all. It's the depth of people who rope well that pushes people in a way that's hard to get yes. outside of there. It's 100%. not It's not Texas superiority. You don't have to be a team roper in Arizona or Texas, but when yeah. you rope against that, it really causes you to raise the bar in yourself in ways that are hard to replicate. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's just like... Uh hockey for us really i mean right it's winter for eight months of the year so everybody grows up playing hockey you know and you can i mean every pond in alberta is frozen over so everybody by nature you're gonna see yeah everybody plays hockey so turns out we have a lot of good hockey players that come out of out of canada so when you met shane and already had a good horse what contributed to that because how do you how does the guy know where to start as far as being a calf roper, you obviously got a family or some sort of information you're getting. Yeah. Kid. So yeah, my dad roped calves. He team roped. Well, growing up, I wanted to team rope more than anything. Like, um, I had wrote down goals. I wanted to win the rookie of the year in the healing and make the NFR in the team roping. And um, then when I started roping calves, that all just went out the window. I could care less about team roping. Yeah. I still love doing it, but yeah. I, you know, just there's I was, an independence I was to just it that's hard up. to replicate. Yeah, I was just ate up with calf roping after that. And, uh, you know, there was a, there's a lot of... Stetler's honestly, like, kind of the Stephenville of Alberta. Like, okay. The Stetler area, like yeah. Stetler Big Valley. Like, you get to Big Valley, Zeke's made the NFR, world champ. His dad's made the NFR. 
Rod Warren's won the average in the bronc riding four or five times. Um, Kelly Armstrong's made the NFR in the bull riding. Um, Rocky Ross, he has made the CFR numerous times, Canadian champ. Um, Steve Thiessen's made the CFR. Like, there's just... But who, but who specifically? Because training a horse is not something people accidentally accomplish. So yeah, my dad. The, so my dad uh, is is actually pretty good with a horse. Um, he he come to Texas a long time ago, and he I think he worked for a guy by the name of Bobby Seals. Yeah. And uh, so he he trained horses with him, and then um, he actually got a pretty good horse out of that deal. He named Buttermilk, and uh, so Bobby gave that horse to my dad. And then my dad started rodeoing, and uh, a lot of a lot of the calf ropers uh, actually rode that horse uh, from Canada. Like Larry Robinson rode him, and uh, Joe Lucas, uh, Cliff Williamson. So that's what so, I was asking for you to have had a good horse at 16. It was, something was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, so you're so, saying your dad the time yeah. he spent seeing what horses were and learning. <laughs> yeah, his exactly. deal too. Um, so yeah, so then and then uh, like I roped a lot with Steve Thiessen. Um, growing up that him and my dad are good are good buddies so he had an indoor building so i'd always go over there and rope with him and um rocky ross he's he's actually kind of a stock contractor for the high school rodeos and amateur rodeos so up there. Got calves around. and so he would uh every time he needed calves broken he'd just call me and yeah uh his little son denim ross um he's he loves team roping but hey He's he could be a very talented calf roper. He just <laughs> hates flanking and dying, and so he would always have colts around. And I so think, he, I think team roping is an old Indian word for hates to flank and die. I think that's the <laughs> idea. I think it could be. And uh, so Denim would just he would just bring three or four colts, and you know eventually it just got to be Denim would just call me, and I would just breaking all their calves for him so there are some giant contributors you know you say a kid from canada makes the nfr in the calf open but stock contractor fresh calves yeah. horses a dad that knows what he's doing yeah there were some unique contributors yeah there's a lot of influence that got me to the point where i could go to texas yeah. and, and be that way because when growing up like we never had calves really like um for a while we couldn't we didn't buy a shoot because we just we had buy like six Holsteins and we yep. would uh, put a barrel in front of the end of the lead up alley. Yeah. And my dad would just move the barrel and would chase the calf I down the that. arena. Are there any videos of that? I don't think we maybe like on an old camera or something. Man, if you could find one of those, I would like DM to DM me. I would love to. And see And then that. I wanted to be a bull rider, so then we'd also ride those six Holsteins. <laughs> I would steer at them, and then. Uh, we had, and then eventually we got some team roping steers. So then I would try to buck them, and I, I would just go down there and flank them and try to buck them. And uh, you just move the barrel and open the shoot gate. And off yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, well, we built. Well, I built a buck and four shoot. Four barrels, four barrels we together. Did, we instead we of did just build. One. The, we did build the buck and shoot in the arena, and uh, yeah. So th all that kind of kind of got me started to to where so I, I, wanna, I loved it i want to skip to the shane and cody story again but real quick where in there was there a moment where somebody that you trusted or somebody that like that you were learning from went hey hold on a minute like this is actually something you could consider yeah um well yeah i mean everybody that i was kind of around uh knew that i roped good and uh so then high school rodeo you know there was there was you know three or four of us that roped 
Kev's pretty decent. Who are some of the other guys up there that were winning? Uh, Jason there? Smith. He's made the CFR now a couple times. And um, his older brother, Shane Smith, uh, Logan Spady, they're a couple years older than me. Um, What's the guy? I'm so sorry. This is a, a Colt Cornett. Moment. He wrote good too. Who was the kid at the Canadian finals this year? Is it Clayton? Is there a Clayton? Clayton Smith. Does he ride a really good sorrel? He did, yeah, this year. Why is that horse? I know this is a complete sidebar for everybody. It's a breakaway I, horse. It's a breakaway horse? Yeah. He didn't have a horse, so he knocked her back a few times. And Am I imagining this? Like, I thought that horse, I, I didn't watch every round. It's horse. Why has that horse not got a job out here this time of year? You know, I think it was just, uh, like, his little cousin breakaways on that horse. And, uh, well, now he, I'm doubting myself because, so, like I said, I didn't watch all of it. I watched all the team rope yeah. because Calgary and our buddies, but uh, I didn't watch all the calf roping. But there was a couple rounds where I'm like, why is that horse no, relatively unknown? Yeah, well, just because she'd, she'd just been breakaway on him. Clayton, me and me and Clayton are tight. Like, that's uh, that's probably one of my best friends, you know. And uh, so he'd actually tried to buy that horse, but his little cousin ended up buying her. So he was a little sad about that. But So his horse, he doesn't really like roping on him inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was kind of fretting about what he was going to ride. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to try this horse. It might work. It might not. Turns out it worked out pretty good, you know, and that, that horse well, and I fits would think, good. I would think but, if I'm a guy that's going to go to the NFR, mm-hmm. the CFR might not be a bad place to scout some talent as far as horses go. I mean, obviously peso and stuff's down here. But, like, yeah. I saw a couple horses at just, like I said, the couple rounds I got to watch that I thought, I thought yeah. would have fit here. You know, it's funny. There's there's honestly a lot of good horses that come out of Canada. Like, obviously in the Bulldog, and there's three that were oh, yeah. that come out of yeah, there, right. and two of them have been horse of the year for the last three years, three or four years. But um, I don't, I you know, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because we have such a ranching background that um, you know horses just get used a lot more. I mean, obviously Texas, like you get a lot of good horses down here too but it those just are seemed, per, those are performance horses from yeah. the time they were bred and they're just right? bred yep. you know and just i don't i you know i don't know what it is but um i just feel like maybe we have a, more time on our hands and just well, <laughs> I, I don't know truly like i don't know the what time it is off but, that they get in the year yeah that you don't get if you're rodeoing somewhere south that is like, true there's a big break mentally to just recoup when when we were in high school um my parents were big on that like they would uh after the high school rodeo season um we would just kick all the horses up like they literally just horses. run with the cows like we would we'd be feeding cows in the wintertime bed them and we'd just be feeding the horses out there it's hard too. to imagine that because you know it's like blankets and all the stuff that we do now and the slinkies and all yeah. the care that we take of them it's hard to imagine turning your horse out with cows but there is something about that that's actually incredibly beneficial that actually yeah. does help hugely yeah and they they just get to be a horse and you know kind of yeah. not worry about it but yeah, so Sorry, then, I didn't mean to interrupt. So those are the guys rodeoing in high school. So there's some other guys that were going to go on and do some stuff, and you're he, right with them. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, everybody was kind of always telling me, you know, you're going to be good, you know. Right. You make the NFR. And I, you I can't never, trust that as a kid, though. And like, yeah, you never really Please, bo- please, please hear me is that if someone that doesn't know what it takes to make the finals necessarily that just loves you and wants to be an encouragement yeah. tells you, like, you're going to make the finals, I know they think they're trying to help. Yeah. It's not the help you think it is because it's like, oh, well, then I don't have to try that hard. Yeah, it's not. But but for whatever reason, in the back of my head, you know, I never really, like, just overly believed them. And so I, I was always just like, 
working my ass off to yeah. like maybe they are right like maybe i do need to try a little harder and and you know kind of pursue it and so like in the winter obviously but like going back to like never having calves like in the winter i'd have one or two calves that would be on the cow still we'd just leave them on the cow and they would get like two or three tie down so not only are they on the cow but for people that don't know cows that makes them extra strong like calves that are on the cow unless they're sick or like dairy calves yeah like calves on the cow are not fun no they're not they're horrible (laughs) but uh but that like it's hard to find calves in canada and so uh, you know, well, nobody's breeding for calves that time of year. No, like, exactly. Okay, here's Everybody thing. calves in April, if May. You're, if you're from the south, this is this is not going to make sense. But where you get winter, calves are only born in the state certain times of year unless it was just a fluke. Yeah. So those fluke, you got to hope that not only was there some fluke calves, you also got to hope that whoever got those fluke calves is willing to sell them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not like in the South, it's just calves year round, right? Yeah. It is not that way. And no. I don't know, I don't know that I really fully appreciated how strict out season was until I moved to Oregon. I was in Oregon for a while and like I was trying to buy calves in the fall or like winter. Yeah. And people look at you like you're crazy. They're like, why would I pull this calf off what? the cow that Why would I take I'm going to sell for? Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. like cattle even prices. If you had the money, four, even if you had the money to pay for them, they're yeah. not always available. Four and five weight calves this fall. I hate having to admit when I'm stupid, but I'm stupid. I had no idea. Listen to this. I had no idea what a pole barn was. I thought I did. And maybe you think you do. You know, I thought of it as this big shed with wood structure and, and you know, maybe the tin goes halfway down or, you know, just just sort of a, something you'd see a tractor or a four-wheeler park below under with a stack of hay. But I grew up in Texas, and so you don't build anything out of wood. Everything's pipe. So um, when I met Dan Scarborough, and he said he was building pole buildings. Instantly, instantly, this is the stupid part. I'm like, oh, a guy who throws up some little sheds. Go to, do me a favor. You go see how stupid I am. Go to roperbuildings.com and check out the gallery of what a pole barn actually is. This can be anything from a barn dominium. It can be a shed, but it can be a horse barn. It can be anything that you want to protect from the elements and no wood exposed to the sun. So, you know, my question was, what about here in Arizona? There were so many questions I had no clue. I had no clue what they were capable of. And Roper Buildings is not, no, this is okay to say, Dan. It's not some mom and pop thing. Like this is one of the most premier building companies in the Western um, United States and has been for over two decades. You can check them out. Not only are they in central and southern Utah, they're in northern Utah, Idaho, Nevada, and now coming to Arizona. Uh, Dustin Searcy, who you met on the podcast, is going to be helping run things down here under under Dan. Wait until you see what's possible. They are engineered. They can be customized any way that you want it. You can build it the way that you want it. And you're dealing with people who have had decades of success in getting this right. So roperbuildings.com, check them out. And while you're there, check on the gallery and look at all that they're able to do. You guys, times are changing. We have got technology available to you. When you get to Arizona, you can find your roping. You can find the date. You can find the location. You can even search the website by what jackpot number team roping you're looking for. Ropingcalendar.com. It is a subscription base. You go, well, so is the magazine, dude. Like you can buy a magazine or you can buy the website. So it's not like there's a free option anymore. RopingCalendar.com, the difference being you can look for only what you want to find instead of looking through all the other ads that you didn't want to find. So if you think about it, if your time's worth anything, we're paying you back. So check it out, RopingCalendar.com. Four and five weight calves this fall in Alberta were 
eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred dollars. Who's like, gonna pull that calf yeah. off the cow so you can rope it? Like I bought calves this spring. I had to pay a thousand dollars a crack for them, for roping calves. Like it, 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 yep. it was. Want to be a rodeo cowboy? Here you go. Yeah, exactly. And so now, like now that I'm, you know, where I'm at today, like this spring, I bought fifty or sixty head of calves. Like in the end, that's I, an investment. I, Truly, yeah. It's an investment to buy 50 because you're not going to rope each calf as much. They're not going to drop off as much, and those calves are going to make money. So even if it's a a hurtful thing for someone to do, like spend the money, if you do it right, because, like, the guys are like, well, I'm only going to buy three or four. Well, you're basically just losing all that money because they're going to get ringworm and sick and pot belly, and they're going to look like leppies. Exactly. So I always like buying more. Plus, then I always buy beef calves, so then when I get done with them, feed them out and make money on them. It's no big deal. I train my horses on them, like. You're going to lose a few, yeah, yeah, but... Win, win, win overall. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not as bad as an investment as everybody thinks they are. No. I don't I, think. I agree. I'll tell you what's a terrible investment. For what I'm doing. dead, fresh Mexican steers that just got imported, <laughs> unless you're putting on ropings, and I love, I love them. I would, I, I, I rope Mexicans. Yeah. Used to rope fresh ones, and anymore, it's just, like, I w- I'll buy them older and still good. Right. Because th- there is no return. That yeah. is, like, beef calf, great. Mexican roping steer. No, exactly. It's like buying a car. Yeah. So you go to lunch with Cody and Shane. Fast forward. Yep. Um, so then the next year, um, so this would have been 19. I uh, was amateur rodeoing. And so I started having quite a bit of success in 2019. That was kind of the year where it was like everything started clicking. And, and you're 17, 18. Yeah. Now I'm kind of old enough that, you know, I've kind of matured and uh, everything is just working better together. And so I was kind of kicking ass in the amateur rodeos. And uh, then I got kind of cocky. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to that school again. Like, they're going to have it again. Like, I don't need to go. You know? Right. I'm above that school. Yeah, I That's wrote, for people who don't know what they're I doing. I wrote good enough. And I think it was like a week or two before. And Shane sent me another DM on Instagram. He said, hey, you coming to their open school? And I'm like, you know what? You know, I, since it's a personal invite. Yeah, you know what? I need it. to go. So I called the guy I was putting on. I said, hey, you still have a spot? And he said, yeah. So I put my name down again and and went. And uh, so then I, I went there again. And same thing, just tried to be helpful and put put forth my best foot. And uh, then uh, by the end of the school, so my little horse, Catalina, that I rode at Calgary, I took her that year. That was when I started roping calves on her because I'd healed on her before then. And uh, so then Shane was uh, actually wanting to buy her for Taylor as a breakaway horse. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't I don't want I don't hey, want to sell her. Hey little buddy, yeah. let me uh, just yeah. make you a foot for yeah. a minute here. Yeah, he's probably trying to swindle me out of there for about <laughs> fifteen thousand. You look back on her like, hold on yeah. a minute. Yeah. So then uh, but then anyways, then he's like He's like, hey, if you want to go to school, he said, I'll get you a full ride at Hill College. He said, you can just live at my house and we'll rope. And you can, where does Shane live? Uh, Carmine, Texas. How far it's, is that from? It's by Hill Giddings, Grove. between Giddings and that's Brenham. A, it's not like close. Right? No, that's three hours probably. Yeah. So if he gets you a scholarship at Hillsboro and you got to drive all the way to Giddings, how did? Well, he said I could live at his house and, and do online school. Oh, yeah. there you go. Okay. And so, but I told him, I said, hey, I don't, like, I have zero interest in college. Like, I said, but I'll come work for you for free if you'll still teach me how to rope. And he was like, yeah, hell yeah. How does the work for free thing work? I mean, uh, what's, your, what's your financial plan just that you'd make it roping? I just, I had zero plan. I had zero idea what, what just was. Just knew you needed to be there. I just knew that that was the best place for me if I wanted to try to 
you know, obviously get to the NFR where I'm at there's today. A, there's a ton of humility that comes with saying, you know more than I do, and I need to learn it. And I I think that's a hard thing to find anymore where somebody humbles themselves and goes, yeah. I'm not good enough. You are, and I want to learn from you. That's a hard thing to – your ego, that's a, that's a shot to the ego. Yeah, and I don't know, like – you know, you like you see all them, you know, motivational guys on Instagram and whatever, and they're like, you know, find somebody that does what you do better and just work for them for free. And so that's kind of where You're I got like, that. All right, David Goggins. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to put this to the test, David Goggins. We're gonna, You're David Goddard, yeah. Goggins. I'm about to be David Giddings. Yeah, we're going to see if this actually works. So that's what uh, that's what I did. And, and How many <laughs> horses did you have? I had, I think I took three or four the first year. Okay. Uh, Loaded up all your belongings. I, I took Catalina. I had a good horse, uh, bay horse named Aces. That was the one that he seen the first year that I come. I ended up selling her. Um, she just kind of was, she was a good high school rodeo yep. horse and stuff, but wasn't high level. And uh, so I sold her maybe the, oh, second winter. I can't tell you how many times, like, I was broke, zero money. I actually, that the first Bo, that's what happens when you work for zero money. Exactly. You have zero money. Exactly. I'm not that it's the wrong move. It's yeah. obviously worked out. But, like, yeah. when people say, I'm just going to move down there and work for no money, that, that's, expensive. That's, a, that's a big commitment, bud. It's expensive. Like, that is a big commitment. I went, I went, and it's funny, I went and worked for a fencing company that fall before I went up to, or went to Texas because I knew I needed to get some money together. And it was only, I only ended up making 6000 by the for fencing, so working but, for zero dollars, was then, it like every Friday uh, Shane would write you a check for zero dollars as payment? <laughs> yeah, so then, so then uh, that's uh, six thousand Canadian turned into about thirty eight hundred U.S. And you spent a lot so, of that on the way down. So then it was about a thousand dollars to get down there, and uh, so I hated working too. That fencing job was, I'd get up at five every morning. I get home about. 9 30 10 o'clock at night I, did, I literally did nothing else but uh so then i get down there to texas and uh you know obviously get my ass kicked and uh i had a little bit of success that winter i won won a little bit and enough to be like man you know these guys little aren't bites. these guys aren't just like crazy good and your good was good enough to be yeah, in the ballpark i felt like i was like you know what i can i can kind of hang with these guys but i mean still get my ass kicked and uh so i get you know Every winter I went broke, you know, and thank God, like, for Shane, like, I wouldn't have, you know. Thank God for what? I didn't hear that. Yeah. And, for, I, I and it wasn't. I didn't hear what you said. You said, thank God for what? For Shane. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, and yeah, his yeah. whole family. I mean, Taylor and her mom and dad, like, you know, they fed me the whole entire time, you know. they. That's not nothing, man. They fed like, my horses, up. you know. I worked my ass off. Don't get me wrong. There was days I hated it. What and, kind of stuff do you have you doing? I mean, just. I had worked the crawfish trailer, still do, but uh, yeah, we worked the crawfish trailer. It's not much fun. <laughs> I admit it. It's uh, do you not have much pictures fun. of that? And then uh, do you have pictures from working there? I don't know if I do or not, but shoot that and um, the barrel shoot. There's a there's a collection of things I'm wanting. To get yeah, right I could I can I'll damn sure try to find How some of that stuff. How much do you know about cooking crawfish living in Canada? Zero, but uh, I always tell people I'm the uh, Canada's crop top crawfish chef three years running and uh, <laughs> uh no it's it's pretty it's fun for a couple times but um i like eating it too so yeah. it's not bad um and then just regular stuff like i just clean, clean stalls, stalls and like that and you know if they need me to run a horse they had got some brood mares i'd have to do that kind of stuff and um run the shoot i'd they'd rope we'd rope on 
you know, 14, 15 horses a day around the chute. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of days, you know, being 2,500 miles from home, like, yeah, I'm a young kid, you know, I, I love home. I love being home. So, you know, I get homesick and I'd miss my family and, um, I'd be down there and, you know, I, there's a lot of days I hated it. Like, yeah, you know, there'd be times I go sit out at night and, you know, cry and be like, this, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. Like, I don't, this, this isn't me. Maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I just need to rodeo at home and do that. Yeah. And it's funny because that's what pretty well everybody from Canada does. They just, you know, rodeo right. in Canada and, and, uh, well, which and is good. There's nothing wrong with it. I've actually but. had this exact same conversation a couple times this week with people that struck out, tried it. It wasn't going well, considered going home. And what I would say to that is when you go home, the jail cell locks behind you. Yeah. Because it was a failure and everybody knew it was a failure and you didn't have what it made to make it out there. You lose your, kind of lose your juice when you go back. Yeah. If you're able to stick it out at all. Now, if you want to quit and do something different with your life, go home, get a job, things like that, totally fine. But if a guy's got a goal of making it, you can, it is, it is almost 100% fatality rate for yeah. someone to lose 100%. and go home. They almost, from there, it's like door slam shut, yeah. opportunity's over. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. And so, yeah, I mean, then, you know, I went there a couple times. Uh, and then, so 2021 was my, ended up being my rookie year. No intentions of it being my rookie year. Uh, so, again, I go broke, zero dollars. But we're entered in Florida, like four rodeos. So I get in. It's Shane's going to fly down there. He had some commitments he had to do or something. So me and J.D. McQuistion and maybe his brother Chris. I can't remember if you Chris coming or Face Bay and off you y went. Yep, yep. So we, uh, I get in with them. I have zero dollars to my name. I, I have $180 in cash that I pulled out of the bank. I paid my fees through Procom with credit card. There's no more money on, I think I had like a $4,000 limit on my credit card, maxed out. I had pulled all my Canadian money out of my Canadian bank account. I had $180 cash. We go to Florida. I'm just like, you know, this is wild. We go to the first rodeo. Yeah, farthest you've ever been away yeah, from Yeah, farthest I've ever, ever been away from home. bucks when you leave. Yeah. So we go to the first rodeo. I don't do no good. Go to the second one. Don't do no good. We go to Lake City, Florida, and we get there to watch the perf. And Wyatt Imus runs this little black calf that is amazing. I think he Wyatt breaks the barrier and is like 7'5". And Shane is just like, oh, my God, I'm running that calf. And so we go look at the draw the next morning. And... I went up and I checked the draw and I walked back to Shane. And there's just a big grin on my face. I'm like, I got Wyatt's calf. He's like, I rem I will never forget this. He he grabbed me by the collar and he said, "You score so good." He said, "Do not break the barrier." He and, and he's like, in my face, like, like you can do a lot of things. He said, "Do not you do that." Do not, like there was some cuss words in there and he's like, "Do not break the barrier." And uh, there's a video of it. And so I, you know, riding the box, I'm nervous as hell to run this calf. You're like, and listen, yeah, this saddle is staying in Florida if I can't win something yeah. right here. And so <laughs> this, I'm riding my paint horse, Hickory. We've had him since he was a yearling. Okay. And we trained him too. And so, you know, I'm riding old Pinto. 
And uh, so Shane's in the box with me, and I crack my nod off, and I think I just drop the hammer as soon as I nod. And Shane is pulling on the breast collar, and I'm pulling on the bridle reins. Like, you and we're idiot. we're floating across there, and Pinto's got his head just in the air, and I'm pulling, and I get to the barrier, and it just ting lays it right back, and so I kind of drop my hand, and Shane's screaming, "You're out!" And uh, I run her about three swings, dap it off her. Put a wrap in a hoodie on her. I was seven, eight, win Lake City, fill my permit. I'm like, this is so badass. How much did that pay? Do you remember? Uh, $1,783 or you something. You probably like remember that. down to the penny when yeah, you only had it no was, money. Yeah, just, just like that. Well, and that's like a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, that is a weight that, that's a weight off people's shoulders that is hard to describe. Yeah. You know, I heard a guy say one time, like, I may never know what it's like to have $10 million in my bank account. But you will never know the joy of walking up to a parking ticket and realizing it's only an advertisement. Yeah. You know, like those little joys that come with being broke, like a little thing to everybody else is yeah. monumental. Yeah. And so then I guess I kind of forgot this part of the story, too. Um, so, yeah, even though that I had zero dollars, um, so I'd actually I'd actually went to the Junior American the week before and uh, I was also broke there. I didn't have no money. <laughs> But this was a theme there for a while. Yeah. So and also nobody nobody knew who I was when I went to the Junior American, and so I end up, you know, just chipping my way along, getting making the they have the final perf or whatever the top fifteen. Uh, in that qualifier, um, I went like ten two on my first one, and so they bring the top fifty back for the second one. I was forty eighth callback, ten two, and I'm stuck like, in there. I'm like, holy shit, and. So well, the junior rodeo and so, like in fairness to you, so for people that don't want to maybe may not understand, ten two is a good run. Like, yeah, it's fine. Like you yeah. just catch calf time down. Yeah. It's nothing I actually, special. I actually did make a good run. I run her to the back end. She she was strong calf. But and at a junior at a junior event, yeah, you're eighteen 50, and under right that's here. That's supposed to be like all day. But yeah. in that part of the world, this is exactly back to my original point. Yeah, it's not that everybody in Texas ropes better than everywhere else. Well, that's not what I'm saying there are enough guys. That they don't give any free lunches. I think there was 230 kids or something, like something stupid. So, so you throw your hands up, your 10 two. You like, I got it made all day. I didn't know, but so anyways, I do make it back to the top 50, and so then they take the top 15 on two head back to this perf, and then this perf pays 15,000 or 18,000 or whatever it does, and so I'm the third guy to rope, and I go out there and I think I'm like eight flat or eight one or something made a good run and uh so i'm sitting there just watching everybody kick my ass and so it gets down to the Do last you remember fast time in that round or who it was no like to, get people, I don't. to get people perspective eight flat is a, that's a great run yeah, it's especially a good run. 18 and under but fast times at those opens with those yeah. setups it was those probably calves. seven two or seven three or yeah. something yeah so anyways it gets down to the last guy they take the top 15 i'm sitting 15th there's one guy left to rope he beats me and I'm like, shit, didn't make it, 16th. Well, little did I know there was one guy that qualified twice, and you're only allowed to qualify once. And so they roll me in there. I'm the first guy to rope. We go to that perf Is that it night. start all the way over in the last round? Yeah, it's just sudden death. So we go to the perf. Bob Tallman's announcing, you know, I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, this is badass. I'm at the Junior American, you know. Big deal, walking around, so excited. And uh, there's this cute little black ball day in the pen, and I got her drawn. And so I'm first guy to rope, and, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I hope I just make a good run. Like, I just, I just want to make a just good run, regardless of the outcome. And uh, first guy out, I tire in 
Yes. And one of my one of my fastest runs at that point. I'm like, holy shit. And so then I'm going along and I'm you're winning. looking at your hands and you're like, am I'm, I yeah. invincible? <laughs> two wraps, too. I put two wraps on her. I made yeah. a good run. And I'm like, wow, this is, I might win this thing. And freaking Trevor Hale, he's the last guy to rope. That kid did not play at any age. No, he whips her down, puts her apnoe on her 7-3. So I win second. I won like uh, twelve or 13,000. My biggest, still my biggest run, you know, at that point. So that I was, was cool. That was the week before you left That was the week before. But so they had to just send the check in the mail. So I didn't have the check. But there was some relief coming. Yeah, so there was helps. relief coming. So Make sure story. It is a rare thing to have the unbeatable guys in the same room. For all that we talk, Jason, Brian the masterminds behind Unbeatable Feeds. Greetings. Howdy, howdy. Did you see this going this way a year ago? Not at all. A year ago, nobody had ever heard of Midwest Agri-Commodities. We rebranded Unbeatable. It's amazing now everybody's heard of Unbeatable. Uh, booth traffic, folks coming by saying, hey, started my horse on this. Can't believe the, the results. It's amazing what a, what a year makes. Jason, what are you hearing from the guys that you've rodeoed with about the results they're seeing from all three of your products? Oh, it's very positive. Uh, it's funny, last year, like Brian said, you couldn't hardly get anybody to look at you. I mean, we sound like a tractor dealership or something, Midwest <laughs> Ag Commodities, which we're not, you know. And by rebranding and being on your podcast, social media, getting the word out there, people are trying it without, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I got guys coming up to me that have been old friends for 15, 20 years, and like, hey, man, I started feeding that beet pulp, and that's just amazing what it does. And then guys feeding the rope. The new, the new hottest thing going right at the moment, besides our the blend product, the alfalfa blend, is the people starting to feed their rope and steers. Yep. And the breakaway calves and the rope, rope and calves, just straight beet pulp pellets. It is the fountain of youth for older rope and steers. The, yeah, yeah, the results you see from it are just, it's, ama it's truly amazing. Well, and I, I never branched my whole life and, and never even crossed my mind. So I'll say this, you look at the video that Ren put out about his rope and steers, you don't, it's cool, it's cool, right? But you, do, you don't do what you guys have done in a year if you're not getting the results when people try it. And so there's a science behind it, we know it's the fiber, we know the work that you guys put in to create a product that does what it says it's gonna do. Congratulations, if somebody wants to go look at the science of the Unbeatable, we've got old episodes with all the details, but uh, just want to say shout out real quick, check it out, Unbeatable Feeds. Uh, got the got the pro team out here having a good week. Thank you guys for jumping on. You guys can check them out at www.unbeatablefeeds.com. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know the people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. Have the check. But there was some relief coming. Yeah, so there was relief coming. So makes your story slightly less yeah, dramatic. So then, uh, so then I win, you know, fill my permit. 
And Shane's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I guess I'll buy him my card. So he's like, he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, shit. Let's just buy my card. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And uh, makes sense. So I, I buy my card. The next day, the entries for San Angelo open. So I enter San Angelo. It's just perfect timing, you know. So San Angelo is actually my first rodeo on my card. I go to San Angelo. I end up winning fourth, win eighty five hundred or something. And I'm like, Shane's like, shit. You're winning the rookie. You got to go. So you're like, like, well, Shane, uh, here's the problem. I uh, don't have a lot of money. Yeah. I can't drive back and clean stalls every day from wherever I'm at. So yeah. probably time to redefine the relationship. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, at this point, I'm headed home right now. So I drive back to Canada um, for May, hang out. Then I drive all the way back to Texas. Uh, and so then we start rodeoing. And all of a sudden, by the, after the 4th of July, I'm 19th in the world, and I've got like 40,001. What were you riding? The paint. Paint. And everybody, it was cool because everybody's like, who's this guy? Like riding a paint horse. I remember, I and, remember, I can't remember where it was. And I, that the- year he was actually like, I guess I should say June. He was good. Like he was damn sure a good horse. And we clicked and I won on him. And then after Calgary, it just went straight south. I went. What to, changed? Uh, he got tired and I just didn't really know enough yet. And that's just part of the learning. Like right. Jake Pratt, yeah, Jake, Jake Pratt told me, he said, he said it takes three or four years to make the NFR. Like, and this is my third year. So, um, yeah. So then I went to like 33 rodeos, didn't win a single check my rookie year. And, uh, me and Quade Hyatt were battling it out and it gets down to the end of the year. And Shane says, Hey, he says, you want to start riding seven? He said, you can get on him the horse I own now that I bought from him. I'm like, yeah, so I'll, I'll get on him. And so go to a few rodeos, you know, we're, we're clicking, it's going good. And, uh, then Puyallup, Washington, this is when it wasn't the tour. The only year it wasn't, or the tour finale. Yeah. I go there. Um, I win the long round, a seven, six, won the long round. First check you'd won in. First check I'd won in forever since like <laughs> the f- july 4th and uh it's so a I'm like, long um long time maybe not yeah, a calendar that's calendar september that's that two far. months that's like 10 years of rodeo yeah. <laughs> and i'm like what a relief so uh then i uh yeah I, I won that and then that puts me ahead of quade again in the rookie by 500 dollars. we don't win it me and quade we don't win nothing ever again for the rest of the year. Just rode off into the sunset yeah. for Piala. And I was, I remember when he run his last calf that he had counted towards his, his deal, I was sitting in a hotel in Omaha, Nebraska. Watching it. No, no, I had no plan of, I didn't have a horse, didn't have, I just had a rope can in my string, and I'm just like, I'm like, just praying that I win this deal. Yeah. And then I had to fly to, uh, I had a flight to go to um, Cumberland, Maine. That was my last rodeo. And after he told me he didn't win it, then I just flew back to Salt Lake, grabbed my rig, and drove right to Canada. Yeah. It was the happiest I'd ever been. Um, but yeah, well, so to go from to go from relatively unknown in that short a period of time to a, a remarkable a, a, that's rookie of the year. It's a big award, but it's a big award for what it indicates about the future. Yes, right. You know, yeah. winning rookie is cool, mm-hmm. and it doesn't guarantee anything. A lot of times, no. you haven't made the finals winning rookie of the year, but it's the best way to predict 
the future of someone's career. Yeah, for sure. That pool of no, I think they said like something like 80% of people that win the rookie make the NFR. You just made 20% of the rookies feel real terrible right now. Where they're like <laughs> Sorry. a small minority of people yeah. like, Sorry, guys. really? <laughs> so I'm one of the major yeah. like minorities? Yeah. So then it ended up, uh, I was the first kid from Canada to win the rookie in the tie down really? open. Yeah. So that was also really cool. And then, uh, so then I come back down in the winter you know, get to go to the winter rodeos for the first time. That's all cool. Um, riding seven? No, I was riding, well, yeah, I started riding seven kind of halfway through. Um, I rode the paint for the first little bit, and he was, he was kind of just so-so at this point. He got, he's a smart horse. He, had he got rodeo like smart he so fast. It. And uh, so then, uh, yeah, then... I didn't really have a good winner. I think I won six or seven. And they don't give them away. No, they don't. So that's what's that's what's so unfair about rodeoing is when you need a new horse, it's because you're not winning. And when you're not winning, you're broke. And then yeah. horses cost a lot. Like it is a cycle of yeah. downward despair if you're yeah. not careful. So then I'm broke again in the winter. So then I go home, and then uh, I'm like, okay, I'll go rodeo. Um, this was last year. So I go in June. Nothing. I go over the 4th of July. I have a good 4th of July when 10,000 or something. Um, rodeo with Shane again? Rodeo with Shane again. I'm like, hey, Shane, like, I'll rodeo till the end of July. And I said, then I'm probably just going to go back to Canada. Because I wasn't making the CFR. I had $0 one in Canada. I'm like, need I need to make the CFR. Up. Like, yep. Just, you know, and for my own personal like, sure. I need to do this. So don't really have a good July. Then I have a chance to win Salinas, California, which is on my bucket list, and I'm like, I'm absolutely. Like, that's one. Of I have the, the that, That's I, one of the universal bucket lists. I have the best calfer on. I'm like, I'm gonna set the arena record, and win this rodeo. I'm like, I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing, and I was an inch away from doing that. I broke the barrier. Was eight five, broke the barrier to win it, and so that was like the last straw. That was like. You know, and it just goes back to like the, you know, what am I doing? Like a little, a little moment of insight. It's like, do you the, think it's a bad thing for someone to say in advance, I'm going to break the arena record because it pushes you to do things you wouldn't have to do. Like if you had to do that over again, would you have said, I'm going to break the arena record older, wiser, rodeoed more? I think I would have been smarter and realized, you know, I got a great calf, you know, yeah, maybe miss a barrier and just, well, if I'm going to break the arena record, here's there. how I'll go about yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. But. Again, people don't, you know, remember little things. So, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to go for it. But anyway, so then I was like the last the last straw. And I'm just like, I'm done. I'm going to Canada. So then, you know, I think I, I wasn't even in the top 50 at that point in the world. And so then I go to Canada. And then August, I kicked their ass in Canada. I won 34. What was it? Thirty thousand or something? Really? Thirty-three thousand. And uh, I won like first or second at like fourteen different rodeos. And so then I'm second in Canada all of a sudden. Then all of a sudden I'm. I'm wondering. Sorry, I'm wondering what that sound is, JC. I'm so curious. Are they chopping down a tree? I don't know what that in is. In the booth next to us. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So I won like thirty, forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So then now I've got like fifty thousand one. For and the a little bit of money in your pocket again. So now I'm 35th in the world. Then I, then I, you know, go to the Northwest a little bit because uh, there's not much 
going to Canada, and they're close. So yeah. Um, so then I go to the Northwest a little bit, win a little more, end up 35th in the world, uh, get into Houston and Denver and Fort Worth for the winter. I'm like, okay, I, I can make that work. So then now this is 2023. And here we go. Here we go. So then, uh, you know, get back down to the winter. Flat broke again. Zero money. I don't win a cent all winter. No money. Zero dollars. Not a single cent. I won. Well, I won five dollars at the Tuesday night jackpot in Seguin. <laughs> my, I think my fees were five hundred, and I won five oh five. You're ma- yeah, yeah. That's um, a what sweet. Was that? So uh, curiosity. I bought, I bought a cheeseburger on the way out. Well, that was it. What was happening? Was it just different things happening? Was I there don't one know thing you're it, struggling with? Honestly, I don't know what it was. I think it was just. You know, me, I, I was pretty negative at, at that point in Felt time. Felt like it was getting into you. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm like, you know, this is it. I'm I'm done. I'm yeah. This isn't for me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rodeo down here. Like I just need to go back to Canada and just, you know, I can kick their ass up there and yeah. have a, a good career in Canada and I'll figure out. You know, a way to you were make, thinking like long money. term being a Canadian yeah. forever. Like yeah, that's it. I'm like this. Yeah, this, this is it. And so, uh, yeah. So then, again, zero dollars, flat broke. Go to Houston. Go to Houston. I have a good Super Series, and I have a lot of confidence in that arena. Like even from the year before, I rope good there. I didn't even make it out of my Super Series, but I made three damn good runs, and I'm like. Like, I, I like this building, yeah. For me, yeah. And so I go there again, have a good Super Series, make it on my set. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to win Houston. I'm like, I'm freaking doing it. And uh, I go to the semifinals, make another good run. My calf gets up to make it back. So I'm like, to then it's just like the last struggle, and I'm just like, what the hell yeah. do I need to do? Like, gets up to be why? What? Like to be good? Yeah, because it, it just seems like you know the real good guys, they just win every single time, and you're just like. Why can't I just have? Why is it so easy for them to do it yeah. every time? I just need like to do they, it one time. And they time. just get luck. I just need it one. It just seems like they, you know, and, I mean, there's a certain amount of luck. They work their asses off and That's they how win luck all happens, the time. Though, right? But That's how luck happens. You, you put yourself in the yeah, right positions over you do. and over again. But then it also just seems like those guys, you know, they do get those just little breaks here and there that's yep. just like, you know, and. And you're trying to eat and dinner. You're like, like I'm I just not, need one break. I'm not, I'm not going to say nothing like rude about like riley but like the deal at houston like it just works out that you know he's the guy that's in second broke in his direction yes and then he wins it you know like and so uh yeah so then we go to the wild card and uh i'm like i had to be nine three i'm the last roper i had to be nine three to make it back or nine two sorry had to be nine two to make it back and i put a wrap nui on her she stays down 9-2. 9-2. You're in. Make it to the finals. I'm like, holy shit. I'm I am back. winning this thing. I am winning. I woke up Sunday morning at Houston, called my mom, and I said, I'm going to win Houston today. And uh, Just feel it. It's weird if somebody hasn't rodeoed. There are times you just get, I don't, as long as a premonition. You just have that feeling. Like, I had that feeling. There are just times you just feel it. Yeah, I had that feeling at Houston, Pinocchio, and Calgary. And uh, so then we go tie the calves that morning, and I said, I'm going to run number six. In the final ten, if I, I said if I make the final four, I'm running 72. That little yellow, sure shit, I run both those calves, and I win the ten man. And then so what I'm did last. That, what did the ten man pay? 
Nothing. That's just to get back. That's just to get back. Because you're guaranteed payout in the final four. So the guys four. that don't make it back, they get paid. Yeah, they get paid. You get yeah. back, nothing yet. Yeah. So then I'm last roper in the final four. I got 72. And uh, and it was kind of an easier final four, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, it was. Uh, Riley made a good run. He was 8-9 or whatever. And uh, so I'm last to rope. And Ty Harris is in the box with me. And, uh, you know, that's a good dude. I is one of my best friends. And uh, I'm like, this is, I'm winning Houston. And so I ride in the box, and it's just like a surreal moment, you know. And uh, I go make my run, throw my hands in the air. I'm like, holy shit, you just did it. At any and point at any point in there, because a, a guy that rodeos knows kind of when you hit the start. Yeah. You know when it's close, or you know if you're late. Yeah, I knew I was late. I said when I, when I dropped, I was like, holy shit, I'm late. And I kind of reached at her, made a good run, the whole nine yards. And uh, at no point in there. No point in, the in there. I, mind no point all. in there I knew I broke the barrier. And I got back on my horse. I'm like, holy shit, you just did it. And uh, then that's when everything went south. And, yeah, that was it. Uh, nobody nobody wants the defining moment of their career to be when it didn't work out. Yeah. Like, they almost won something, but then they didn't. <laughs> yeah. And that's the biggest thing they ever did, right? Yeah. Like, you're the guy that for the rest of your life almost did something. Exactly, right? yeah. And at this point, you're young, you're broke. You almost did something amazing. Yeah. That would be a terrible legacy. Mm -hmm. to be the guy that almost did something but never did. Exactly. But at that point, you don't have the option. Like, no. it's out of your hands. Yeah. How, how free are you to talk about sort of some of the behind the behind the scenes? Like, are you... Yeah, I mean, it no was... NDAs on this or anything? Did they, did they make any effort to reach out or contact you, or did anybody that was outside no. of that situation with the PRC go, hey, I'm sorry, or like, was there no. any acknowledgement? No. They, they didn't even... Uh, the, when the when the journal come out, they didn't even they had they didn't even have me like in the final four. They 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 left me out of the final four. It they, it says the last sentence is Riley Webb bested Hunter Heron and uh, Reese Reamer to take the title. Didn't even have me in it. You know, which is again again if you're which, a ten time world champion and you know you're established to, in the career, yeah. that's one thing, right? But when you're just trying to get your foot in the door and it feels like you got the tide working yeah. against you. And then it just felt like another, you know, last straw. I'm like, well, you know. But then you it don't want me? I don't want you. Screw you guys. Oh, I do need to go. I got to get on this Flint Rasmussen show at Okay, hey. But what I'll say is this. Yeah. Good on you for keeping your head up. I, yeah. Great job. Thank and you. For, for Calgary, your home country, to come back and sort of make it all right and heal yeah. it all up, dude, yeah. till Flint High. <laughs> I will. I will. We can we can finish this Let's another time. Let's do this time. again at some point. We finish yeah. this bit. Man, thanks for jumping on. Okay. Yeah, thank you.